you to take your Bibles this morning and join me in turning to the New Testament. We're going to be in the first book in the New Testament, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 in our new series, Core. That's what we've entitled it, Core. It started last week and we saw that the very center of our core, the core that we receive from Jesus Christ, is the gospel message. It's the reality that Jesus Christ is God the Son, that He lived a perfect, sinless life, that He died on the cross of Calvary, not for anything He'd done wrong, but for our sins, that after three days lying in a a borrowed tomb, he, He rose again. We're grateful for the reality of the gospel message. We were reminded on Easter that the resurrection, more than anything else, validated the words and the works of Jesus Christ. But after Jesus rose again from the dead, he still had some things to say. And among his most well-known and famous sayings are the words we're going to study this morning. We sometimes say that a man's last words are his first concern. And the words we'll study today are among those very last words that Jesus spoke before ascending back to heaven where he's at the right hand of God the Father. The words are sometimes referred to as the Great Commission. We're going to spend actually some time over the next few weeks in this passage of Scripture coming to really understand it. For if this Scripture provides us the core of, of, the, of the truth and emphasis of Jesus Christ, we would do well to understand it very well. And so I'd like to invite you to join me in standing as we look this morning to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to begin reading in verse 19. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Jesus says this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo... I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And last week in our study, we focused on the gospel message. Go ye therefore and and teach all nations. But uh, after that statement is made, I want you to look at the very next word there in the Great Commission. It's the word baptizing. Baptizing. We're going to spend some time this morning just studying the topic of baptism. And I kind of looked back. Over the years to discover how many times have I really just in depth dealt with this subject of baptism. And I've come to the conclusion far too few times have I spent a whole Sunday morning just on the topic of baptism. So to make up for lost time, I'm going to spend two Sunday mornings on the topic of baptism. And I think we could be helped greatly from this. Now, listen, you might be here today and you're thinking baptism. I'm not even sure what that is. Or you may be here today and you might think, uh, you know what? I, I was baptized, pastor, before you were even born. I, I, I mean, baptism, I just know all about it. Here's what I believe about the word of God. This book is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two edged sword. And I believe if we'll invest our hearts in study to the word of God today, that every single one of us can leave here having learned something that is a help to us in our lives. So uh, I promise I'll do my best this morning. How many of you with me would say, Pastor, I'll do my best to get involved in this study with you, huh? Good, most of you. Well, that's pretty good, okay? I heard of someone this week, they were asked what color their pastor's eyes were. And they thought for a minute, and they said, you know, I don't know. Uh, When he prays, he closes his eyes, and when he speaks, I close mine. That's how that works, okay? So I'm glad that most of you are with me already this morning. I'll tell you what, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Father, we need you today. Open our hearts, open our minds. I pray you would help us to understand the truth. God, by your grace, may we live the truth. 
pray that you'd be pleased by everything you see happening in here. I pray that as I'm doing my best to teach, you'd be pleased with that which is being said and how it's being said. And as you observe this body this morning, studying and entering, entering into this time, I pray you'd be honored in all of that. Lord, we love you. And we give ourselves to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The last words that Jesus Christ spoke before ascending back to heaven were the words of the Great Commission. And the Great Commission really gives us the core of our mission. It's our marching orders as a church. Jesus did not want us to wonder what we were to do here. He didn't want us to figure it out on our own. He made it crystal clear what we were to be doing in our lives and especially in our lives as a church family and it all began as Jesus said this he said go ye therefore and teach all nations now the word teach is used in the Great Commission in two different places and we're gonna study the second one in, in, in time but it's interesting to me that that the Greek language the language of the New Testament there were so many more words in the English language and and the word teach although it's the same word in our Bibles in two different places in the one Great Commission it's really two entirely different words in Greek two entirely different meanings and when Jesus began by saying go ye therefore and teach he used a word then the word is mathetuo. And the word means this, to make a disciple, to make a follower. Specifically, it was referring to sharing the gospel message so that people could come to understand who Jesus is. By faith, they could enter into a relationship with him and, and become a follower of Jesus Christ. The first part that we considered last week of the Great Commission is sharing the gospel message. Go ye therefore and proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. The second part in the Great Commission says this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And so it begins with boldly proclaiming the gospel message and it continues as we see that we are to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. Now, as we come to this topic of baptism, I want to acknowledge something right up front, all right? I want us to all understand and acknowledge today that when we deal with the topic of baptism, we're dealing with a sensitive issue. Because if you have any religious background at all, you have an idea about baptism. You have thoughts about baptism. And a lot of us, and this is true for me, what we know about baptism many times goes back to what our grandmother told us or what we saw sometime or maybe what we heard someone else say. And so we kind of get in our minds an idea of what baptism is all about and we kind of come to conclusions just based on our experience. And, and our experiences vary greatly when it comes to the topic of baptism. Uh, the, the, the experiences would vary in how baptism is done when baptism is done, why baptism is done. And for some, baptism is the most important thing. It's the most important thing. For some people, baptism is just kind of some option, some add-on that if you'd like to do it, you may, but it certainly isn't very important at all. And, and we know that some people are baptized as babies. Some people are baptized as adults. And frankly, some people are never baptized at all. And there are many different views on this topic of baptism. Now, in my experience, I was raised in a Baptist church, uh, doctrinally very similar to this church, Coastline Baptist Church. And so when I thought of the topic of baptism, I thought, well, we have to be right. We're Baptist. It's in our name after all. You know, I thought well, it's a settled matter there on this topic. We should be right. But but really, when I got into the word of God and began to study, I found there are some beautiful pictures, a great meaning. There's a great emphasis in the New Testament on the value of believers following the Lord in what we call baptism. 
Now, since baptism is a sensitive topic, here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to do my very best. I want to be as clear as possible. But I'm going to do my very best to share the context of baptism. And then we want to look to the Word of God to see what it is that God has to say. Your experiences are great, mine are great, but really there's nothing more valid than the Word of God. And so I'm going to kind of share the background so we understand where did baptism come from anyhow. And and then we're going to get involved in opening the Word of God and and studying what the Bible has to say. So we know that baptism is, is sensitive. But I also want to share this before we move on. I think baptism to a degree is a little bit superstitious. Now I want to share with you what I mean by that. Lisa and I have a restaurant we like to go to in Carlsbad, and we've gone there since the early days when our church started in the Harding Community Center. And, and it's the kind of thing that when we walk in, everybody recognizes us, and, and the lady that most often serves us, she's a wonderful lady. Uh, really, I'd consider her a friend. And uh, when we walk in, she comes over, she hugs the whole family and gives us a little extra special service, you know, and, and uh, uh, we think a lot of her, and, and uh, I think she likes us too. She's actually come to our church a couple times for special things to uh, see our girls and, and so forth, and and uh, we think a lot of her. I walked in one time not too long ago, and she said, oh, Steve, I'm glad you're here. I've got to talk to you. And uh, normally, she's talking about the Laker scores. You know, she's a big Laker fan like me or wanting to talk about something like that, but she was very serious. And, and she said, Steve, I'm glad you're here. I've got to talk to you. And I said, well, what is it? And she said, my daughter just had a baby, and we've got to get that guy baptized. And so we got to talking a little bit, and I wanted to figure out where we were coming from and, and uh, what, what, what was happening exactly. And, and, and as we talked, I discovered that, that this lady that we think a lot of, and, and a great lady, uh, she didn't really have a church that she attended anywhere, and, and she really had no intention uh, of attending church. And in fact, I learned that her daughter has no church home and no real desire ever to go to a church with any regularity and, and no desire to be a part of a church family. So neither one of them go to church, neither one of them have any desire to go to church, but they just think if they can get some water on that baby, everything will be okay. And sometimes we get a little superstitious with, with what we think baptism's all about. I want you to know that in our baptistry, there is no holy water in there, okay? It's tap water at best and maybe worse if we haven't changed it in a week or two, okay? <laughs> our youth group was in the Philippines recently and, and uh, Matt took a picture of holy water. I'd always wondered where it ca- came from and there's the picture they took, okay? If you want to know where holy water comes from, it comes from the trash can behind the church in the Philippines. And uh, uh, no, th- there's no, there's no holy water. I want you to know this as, as we continue in our study. The Bible doesn't have one verse, not one verse. I've read the entire Bible. There's not one verse in all the Bible that deals with babies being baptized. That's just a tradition. And, and uh, I understand that. But uh, I just want you to know, I can't really tell you what God has to say about that because God didn't say anything about it. And so as I'm dealing with this friend, I, I thought, well, we have, we have a variety of issues here, you know. There's no saving or redeeming value in, in, in the water, per se. And, and the Bible doesn't say anything about babies getting baptized. And so views of baptism are sensitive and sometimes a little superstitious. And I want us to understand the command of baptism that Jesus gave to his followers. And if we're going to understand it, we have to understand the background. And rather than break out the history books and read the entire New Testament to you this morning, I wanted to tell you a story. And it's a true story. And it's a story that took place about 1,983 years ago in Israel. A strange guy showed up. And he was a strange guy. He wore strange clothes. He ate strange food. He seemed to just never stop preaching. And his sermons could be boiled down to just one word. His messages almost always consisted of this one word. Repent! That was it. He didn't have to study much, okay? He didn't have a real nifty outline. He just, he just preached, repent! Repent! 
You guys over there repent, and you guys repent, and, and you repent, and I mean, repent. That was the message. And, and it kind of that was his way of saying, knock it off. I know what you're doing. Knock it off. And you guys, you need to start doing some good stuff. And, and you knock it off and repent and repent. And, and that was his message. His message was repent. And you see, this man was a prophet from God. And he knew that God was getting ready to do something very special. And his message of repent was his way of saying this. Listen, God's going to do a great work. And, and if your life is not focusing on God, if your life's all messed up, you're going to miss it. And you need to make sure that you're the way you need to be so that when God works, you'll, you'll get in on it. And so he preached a message of repentance. Now, when he was done preaching, he could have said, how many of you agree with my message? Raise your hand. But that's not what he did. He did something very interesting. He went in, in the Jordan River. And he said, uh, if, you, if you agreed with my message, in essence, I want you to come in the water and I'm going to put you under the water. And I'll bring you back up out, but this is how we're going to let people know that you identify with my ministry and message. I'm sure that people thought, wait a minute, you're going to put me under the water? That's, what's that all about? And so he, uh, he would take people in the water and he would... He would baptize them now we hear the word baptize and we're we're thinking well that's that's a christian term or a bible term really the word baptize it's kind of an interesting word it's it's not even a, a, in english word they, they just kind of invented that word the the greek words baptizo and they just brought it into the english they didn't know what to call it Bap, baptize and and it really just means to dip immerse or plunge in fact the word baptize is used in different ways in the new testament in mark chapter 7 the bible speaks of someone washing their hands and you know the word used for washing your hands was baptizo he baptized his hands in the book of Luke, chapter 11, the Bible speaks of somebody baptizing their dishes. Were they, were they doing some religious ceremony? No, they were dipping, immersing, or plunging. The word baptize just means to go beneath, dip, immerse, or plunge. And this man, and you may have guessed by now, his name was John the Baptist. He came preaching this message of repentance, and he would baptize people who were showing a, a testimony in a visible way that they were identifying with his message. They said, what is he doing? He's, he's baptizoing. John the baptizer, John the baptizer. One day John was out there preaching his message. You know the one, repent? He was preaching that one. And Jesus walked up and John said, Behold, the Son of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now John resisted, but Jesus insisted that he be baptized by John the Baptist. Why? Because that was the outward testimony that he was identifying with the message and the ministry of that man. That was the symbol or the picture. Later, the disciples of Jesus would baptize people who would trust Jesus as the sent one from God, the Messiah, to show their faith and publicly identify with Jesus. They would be dipped under the water. Now, now that type of baptism where somebody dipped you, it was, it was really a strange thing. And John the Baptist is the first one that we can find that, that did that. But, but people who were associated with Judaism, Jews of this day, they would have had an idea of what baptism was because about 400 years before the arrival of John the Baptist, there was this process you could go through to become a follower of Jehovah God, a follower of Judaism, they would have said. And it consisted of memorizing a part or all of the Old Testament law. Uh, it would involve a special meal and some other things. And, and finally, someone would dip themselves in a ceremonial way. They would be baptized, dipped, immersed, or plunged. 
Sometimes they called these places mikvahs. And the person who wanted to associate with the ways of the Jewish people and become followers of Judaism, they would go in these mikvahs and, and they would dip down and they would come up. They would put themselves under, but it was unique to have someone else put you under and bring you up. And, and that is what Jesus' disciples did in the future. Jesus, when his ministry was done, told his followers to teach people how to become disciples or followers of him by faith and then baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, with that background, that context, kind of the historical background to where baptism comes from, let's figure out what is New Testament believers' baptism. You're not going to be impressed with my outline today, but let's get started. Here it is. Number one, what is baptism? All right, what is it? And the Bible really gives us a pretty good idea. Baptism, we know, is a symbol whereby we publicly express our faith in Jesus Christ. It is a step in the life of a Christian whereby we identify with Jesus and we identify with his church, other followers of Christ, specifically the local New Testament church. Now, the New Testament teaches us there's a picture that is found in it all. And I say this often when I baptize. We find a picture when the water crosses a body of the cross. That's the picture. We find a picture when we go beneath the water of the burial and a picture when we come up out of the water of how we have new life in Jesus Christ. It's a picture. You see, when we come up, we're saying without saying a word, I believe that Jesus died, I believe that Jesus buried, and I believe that he rose again. Now, shortly after Jesus went back to heaven, his followers started doing what he told them to do. He said, go teach people how to become followers and, and baptize them and, and, and on and we'll go. But so Peter said, all right, well, Jesus is gone. The Holy Spirit of God has, has arrived. And, and now just a short time after Jesus' departure back to heaven, Peter gets up and he preaches the gospel. He tells people Jesus Christ is God the Son. And that he died not for his own sins, but through faith in him, they could, they could have a relationship with God. So Peter here in this first really kind of inaugural day of the church, the, the, the grand opening, the, the, the kickoff Sunday for, for this church, he's preaching the gospel. And, and you know what? 3,000 people at least in that first service accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Amazing. Amazing. And the Bible, as it tells us about this, it, it mentions it in Acts chapter 2. And I want you to take a note of what the Bible says. It says, then they that gladly received his word. Now, let, let's think on that for a moment. What was his word? The gospel. The gospel message about Jesus Christ. We can have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, God the Son. So when they gladly received his word, the Bible says, uh, they were baptized and the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So what happened? They heard the message. They gladly received the message. And the Bible says then, following their reception of the message, they were baptized. They identified with the message of Jesus Christ. And the verse also says this. And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, here's the question you don't answer out loud. You just think about it. Who were they added to? And friends, I want you to know that when we think of the Great Commission, we think of Jesus talking to the disciples. But really, in every sense of the word, those disciples comprised what we would call a church. The word church just means a called out assembly. And they, just as we, are a called out assembly who've been brought together to do that which Jesus has given us to do. And Jesus Christ told his followers to tell the gospel message and then to baptize people who believed. They were added to this group of believers that formed the first church. They identified with Jesus in baptism, his death, burial, and resurrection, and they were associating 
with other people of faith who also had been saved and baptized. That's what baptism is. It's a public expression of a decision we've made on the inside. But let's continue in our study and think of this. Who should be baptized? From time to time, the question comes up, well, who should be baptized? And all the verses we've read to this point really make it clear that anyone who has accepted Jesus as their Savior should be baptized. In fact, we read of, the, uh, of a man in the New Testament in Acts chapter 8, and I'm going to talk more about him next week. But as we study the life of this man, he hears the gospel message, he understands it, he accepts Jesus, and the very first words out of his mouth say this, Hey, here's water. What would hinder me from getting baptized? He knew of, of baptism. He knew that people of faith followed the Lord in, in baptism. And so the very first statement he made after salvation is, Well, here's water. What would stop me from getting baptized right now? I want you to know today, I don't have a hidden agenda in this message, because if it's hidden, I'm not doing a very good job. I want to have an overt, over-the-top, almost-in-your-face agenda for this Sunday's service. I want you to understand that God's Word teaches us who should be baptized, and it is everybody who's accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. God's desire is that everyone that knows Him would follow the Lord and believers' baptism. If that's not clear enough, to everyone individually today, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and not since that time followed Him in believer's baptism, my hope, my intention, my desire, my prayer is that God would use this Bible study today to rattle your spiritual cage and let you know that God the Son's desire for you is that you follow Him in believer's baptism. It's not something you need to pray about. It's just something we need to do. We need to obey Jesus. In fact, I believe one reason Jesus Christ was baptized was just to serve as an example for us. We just need to do it. Now, all that we know about believers' baptism comes from the Bible, but as I think of this question, who should be baptized, I think it'll be helpful to hear some stories. And so I want us to take a minute this morning and, and just, just hear some testimonies of how the Lord has worked in the lives of some other people. I had always been told the story about when I had gotten saved as a five-year-old little girl, but to me it was just that, a story. I grew up in a very religious home where going to church was very routine for us. Growing up here in Southern California, I really didn't have any kind of church experience, no, no way of knowing the Lord. Um, shortly after we got married, we were invited to Coastline for an Easter service, and it was my first real experience with Christ. For years I struggled. And uh, I was always looking for, for something. I always looked for something to fill that, that missing piece inside me. And because I didn't have that missing piece, I struggled with peace. I've, I came to a point in my life where I, I didn't know what to do. But as a 17-year-old girl, I... Um, heard a message on salvation and what it really meant to be saved and um, the Holy Spirit started working on my heart that maybe I truly wasn't saved because it was just a story to me. I didn't remember anything about it. We came to Coastline and the people believed that Jesus raised from the dead and when I recognized that, I recognized my need to be saved. Uh, it was frustrating and I always thought that, you know, is, am I going to have to live my life like this for the rest of my life? And, uh, and it wasn't until I turned my life over to the Lord and began following Him, that's when I saw an improvement in my life. That's when my life just got better. 
It was my senior year of college, and on a Sunday morning church service, the pastor was preaching on baptism, and um, again, I hadn't really thought too much about getting baptized again, just because I had gotten baptized as a six-year-old little girl. But as I was listening to the sermon and uh, hearing what the pastor was saying about what baptism truly is, the Holy Spirit really laid on my heart that I should probably get baptized again um, to just make that stand and um, testify to the church that I had truly gotten saved when I was 17 and that this was something that I was sure of. And again, to make it a personal thing in my life. After getting saved, I recognized that, that uh, the Bible says that we were to be baptized. And so I thought, I'll just do what God says and, and be baptized. After I became a follower of Jesus Christ, I wanted to take the next step. And uh, I, I knew that that step was to be baptized. I was a little apprehensive to get baptized again um, for a couple reasons. One probably would just be pride. And then part of it was just the courage of doing it. There was a lot of people at church and it can be a scary thing to be singled out and to sit up there and do it by yourself. But uh, more importantly, it was laid upon my heart to just get the confidence of obeying the Holy Spirit. When I recognize it, God said that I need to be baptized. I, I was thankful for having personally accepted Christ and, and having a personal relationship with Him, but baptism was like crossing a line where I went from having a, a personal uh, private relationship with God to having now a public uh, display of my faith. And I was, I was nervous about that, but thankfully the, God put a burden on my heart to, to be close to Him and to be obedient and that outweighed my fears. One of the fears that I had about being baptized is that, um, is that I'm, I'm an adult. I had a fear of being a little bit embarrassed um, by letting everyone know that, hey, I'm a baby Christian and I'm, I'm just starting my fellowship with Jesus Christ, but, but you know what? I mean, with God, it's never too late. There could be people like me who have had a religious experience or grown up with a religious background and. Uh, are a little apprehensive to make that decision to get baptized. But I would just encourage you to go ahead and make that decision and step out by faith and obey God because only then can you find the real satisfaction of uh, following those footsteps. Baptism can be the beginning of a truly blessed life. I think that God wants to bless us with, the Bible says all kinds of spiritual blessings, but he can only do that if we're obedient. And so baptism is, is really giving God the opportunity to bless our lives. And since he tells every believer to do it, I think that every believer should do it. Just do it. Uh, take the plunge. Uh, with, with the Lord, with God, it's never too late. There's great power in, in testimony, and I'm thankful for those in our church family who let their testimony be known. And, and uh, the backgrounds differ greatly. The, the stories vary, but in a sense, they're all the same. Coming to know Jesus as Savior and following the Lord in believers' baptism. So we've seen what is baptism and who should be baptized. I want us to think together, when should someone get baptized? Now, as I said when we began today, there are often differing views on baptism. For some, baptism is essential for salvation. In other words, if you don't get baptized, you cannot go to heaven. For others, it, it's just something that's not that all, all that important at all. It's really no big deal. If you don't want to get baptized, don't do it. I, I want to be very clear, crystal clear, in fact, on this matter. The fact of Scripture is baptism does not save us from our sin. 
Baptism is not something that is a prerequisite to salvation. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, and I love to emphasize this verse in Titus 3 and verse 5. He said, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. It's according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Friends, I want you to know something. If you hear from me or anyone else that you must do some work of righteousness in order to be saved, I want you to know that message is contrary to the Word of God. The Bible makes it clear it is not by works of righteousness, it's by His mercy. And as Paul wrote to the believers in Ephesus, he let us know it is also of God's grace, His free grace to us. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Friends, only faith saves us. Now, I want you to think for a moment of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. I want you just to imagine Jesus on the cross, and we know from Scripture He's flanked on either side by thieves. They're paying for their sins. Jesus is there paying for our sins. And, and yet we know that of those on either side of Christ, one was against Him, was antagonistic. He, he rejected Christ. And, and then we know the one on the other side. He observed Jesus, and He knew there was just something different about Jesus Christ. And this man, while he's hanging on the cross, he literally comes to that defining moment in life. Am I going to accept Jesus or not? And this man, while hanging on a cross next to Jesus, he trusts him as his savior. But this is a man hanging on the cross. He's never going to have an opportunity to get baptized. He's never going to have an opportunity to climb down from that cross and join a church or give an offering or do any other good thing. This man's life, for all intent and purposes, was over. All he did was place his faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what Jesus told that man hanging on the cross? In Luke 23 and verse 43, Jesus told him this. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That man had no time to do any good deed. It was freely of God's Grace, baptism does not save us, but baptism shows a testimony of our salvation. I, I think a good way to illustrate this, and no illustration is perfect, but a good way to illustrate this is a wedding ring. Uh, if you see someone with a ring on that finger, you usually know something about them. Now, this ring does not make me married. I don't, you know, not married, married, not married, married, you know. It's not how it works exactly. This, this doesn't make me marry, but this is a symbol. It's a testimony. If you see someone with a ring on that finger of their hand in our culture, we can conclude they're taken. And so I don't wear this to make myself married. I am married to my wife, Lisa, but uh, I put this on as a testimony to our relationship. And I think she prefers that I put it on, you know. Listen, when you carry guns around like this, it's just good to say I'm not on the market, all right? And Lisa prefers it that way. That wasn't laughing with me as much as laughing at me, I think. But, but at any rate, uh, th this is something that we do uh, for one another and, and for others as well to, to share our testimony that we are a couple. We're married. A person, according to the Bible, is to be baptized soon after salvation. In fact, the examples in Bible are as soon as as possible. Now, somebody could say, well, I was baptized years ago or I was baptized as a baby. And friends, please hear me today. You may have been. And I, I mean uh, nothing derogatory towards what you did. I don't doubt the sincerity in it. I don't doubt the intentions and the sincerity, maybe in your parents that made a decision on your behalf. Listen, uh, be that as it may, believers baptism is a decision that we make personally after we've made the decision to trust Jesus Christ as our personal savior. Look up here. How many of you remember John the Baptist? Repent. That guy, remember him? And he baptized people, right? 
We read in the book of Acts later, after John has died, and Jesus now has been crucified and buried and risen again, he's in heaven, and, and the apostles are out doing what Jesus told them to do. They're going into all the world, and they're telling people how to become followers of Christ. They're baptizing them and teaching them, and, and we find that as the apostles are out there, in the book of Acts, they meet some of these people that John had baptized. And they come to find out these people are true believers. They accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. But they hadn't been baptized yet. Now, they were baptized by John earlier, prior, already. But this baptism was different from that baptism. That baptism uh, was special, but this, this, was, this was different. And so although they'd already been baptized, after they received Jesus as their Savior, they said, you know something? I want to be baptized to identify with Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us we should be baptized as soon as possible after we place our faith in Jesus Christ. And then finally today, I want us to think of this. Where should a person be baptized? Now, I've touched on this, but when we think of the Great Commission where we read to begin our study today, we think of the disciples to whom Jesus was speaking. But again, we have to know that in every sense of the word, Jesus there was talking to a church, the first church, that first called out assembly. And when we think of baptism, I want us to think of this being something that the local church is to be a part of. You see, the authority to baptize doesn't rest in any single person. It doesn't rest in me. I'm not authorized to baptize as an individual. The authority to baptize rests in local churches who are following the teachings of the New Testament. If I baptize, it's because you all have allowed me to be the one from our church family that that baptizes others. But the authority to baptize is wrapped up in the churches that follow the teachings of God's word. Now, where churches choose to baptize, that's entirely up to them. Our church in the early days baptized in the ocean. I kind of like that. Uh, We rented a baptistry before in another church. And when they were baptized, they didn't become a member of that church. But but of our church, we we had times where we baptized in jacuzzis. We called them baptacuzzis back in those days, okay? And uh, portable baptistries. And, and now we've got one indoors and heated and everything. It's very nice now. We're very high class these days. But you see, the, the wear of your baptism is not near as important as, as the authority. We have people in our church who've been baptized in rivers and pools. What is important is our obedience to the command that Jesus gave us. And it, friends, listen, it would be really hard please hear this. It would be really hard for me with any integrity to say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ if I've refused to take the very first step he asked me to take. And baptism is the very first step that Jesus Christ, God the Son, who paid for our sins on the cross, asked us to take. It identifies us with him. It identifies us with others who follow him. It's really, really important. Now, if you're a Christian who worships the Lord here at Coastline, and there's not been a time since you came to know Jesus Christ, that was a settled matter. If there has not been a time in your life where you follow the Lord and believers' baptism, I'm going to share with you where I think you should get baptized. In this church where you come and worship and fellowship. That's what I think you should do. Follow the Lord and believers' baptism right here. Again, the issue is not about where you're baptized per se, but, but the authority, and the authority rests in the local New Testament church. God did not authorize a specific place for a baptism or a specific person, but he did set the church aside as that entity that is to carry out the Great Commission. As we started, I told you, I went back to figure out, have I spent much time dealing with this matter of, of baptism? And the fact I had to look should have told me something. And as I looked, I discovered, you know, I haven't emphasized 
baptism near as much as I should. The Lord gave us one great commission with a variety of components. And who are we to say that one is more important than another? Now, it begins with salvation. And frankly, that's where a life of faith begins. And until people are saved, they cannot be baptized. So we want to do our best to emphasize the preaching of the gospel message. And we do that many times throughout the year here at Coastline. I'll preach a message that is just simply the gospel. Don't you think it would be good for us from time to time to have a message that just simply highlights the value of baptism? And that's what we find in this text. You see, this matter of baptism is so important to Jesus that it was shared with us in the midst of his final words ever shared before ascending back to heaven. And I want to invite you today. I want to invite you to follow the Lord and believers baptism if you have not. In the seat backs in front of you today are some blue cards. And I'm going to ask you if you'd humor me today. Would everybody grab one of those cards? Very good. Most of you have them. Any of you not have one and you'd like one? Good. That's all of you. All right. Well, I, I want you to take a look at that card, if you would, and, and uh, everybody has one. That's great, except for me. What did I do with my card? Can I steal one from somebody? Thank you. Oh, all right. So we have this core card. I want you to look at the blue part. It has a picture of a church. And next to the church, it, it has a cross. That represents the gospel message. It has... The water, that represents baptism. It has a little tree that represents growth. And that's what the core is all about. Jesus said, go and share the gospel, baptize those who accept the gospel, and then teach them so that they can grow. And that's what we're emphasizing in this series. Now, I want you to look at the back of the card, the white part, where there's uh, some words back there. And, and this series, core, it represents the biblical values at the center of our church. Jesus taught that every step is important. And then it says, take a moment to circle the icon that represents the next core step you need to take. And friends, I'm going to ask you, just humor me in this if you would. I think this is important. I think it's imperative that each of us from time to time, we ask the Lord to help us see ourselves and to understand our need and then to let him meet the need. Now, the first one there, the cross, is this. I need to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. And maybe you're here today and you're not sure of, of that fact. You don't know that you have that eternal relationship with God. And, and I often ask the question this way. If you were to die today, do you know for an absolute certainty you'd spend eternity in heaven? And you're here today and you're thinking, well, I mean, I'm not 100% sure. Well, listen, if it's anywhere from 0 to 99, I want you to know it can be 100. The Bible tells us in 1 John 5, 13 that we can know that we have eternal life. And maybe you're here today and in your heart you're not sure of that. And I'm going to ask you, just circle that little cross there. We'll talk more about this in a moment. You're not going to hand it in until you understand it. All right. But maybe that's where you at, where you're at. I'm not sure about that. The next one says, I need to identify with Christ through baptism. Now, if you circled that cross, that water is going to be right behind. Right. Because in the Bible, people got saved and baptized. And that may be something that you need. But listen, maybe you're here today. And we had a lot of people like this, even in the early service. You're here today. And since the moment you made sure of your salvation. Now, we're going to go back. I don't know what happened in your childhood. And maybe you don't either. I talked to a lot of people who say, well, I kind of remember, but. But you know that wasn't your decision. And maybe you made sure of your salvation after the fact. And so since you've made sure of your relationship with God, you have not yet followed him in believer's baptism. Don't pray about it. Just obey him, okay? When I say don't pray about it, I mean we don't need to pray about obedience. He just told us to do it. So don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Baptism is God's will for your life. Obey him. Do it. Take the plunge. 
and be a part of, of, uh, uh, of the local assembly in that way. Finally, it says, I need to further my growth through discipleship in a connection group or through one-on-one mentorship. And maybe you just want to learn more, grow more, and that's your need. I'm going to ask you if that's where you are to circle that. It would be conceivable to circle all three of those, and that'd be wonderful. Now, here's what I've asked you to do at the bottom, to put your name on it and your email, and I've asked you to print. It's not that you guys are bad writers, I just can't read it, all right? So help me out, print. Actually, some of you are terrible writers, is the reality of it, okay? So print on there, because I want to read it. Now, by turning this in, you say, now, wait a minute, I'm just giving the pastor, like, my name and email, what's he going to do with that? Well, with your name and your email, I'll probably send an email addressed to your name, okay? And here's the thing, there's, there's no more important issues that I'm concerned with in your life than these issues, where you're at spiritually, and I'd love to get in touch with you. And be a blessing to you any way I could. And uh, I told you I haven't often emphasized baptism the way I did today. But we're going to do something next Sunday that, frankly, we've never done it this way before ever. We're just setting a Sunday aside for baptisms. It's Baptism Sunday. It's the day. It's the time. And uh, I I don't want to just say get baptized at some point in your future. I want to say the compelling evidence in the New Testament is follow the Lord in baptism as soon as possible after your salvation. And if you're not baptized next Sunday weeks the day now you're thinking "Uh oh if i pass this card in and it indicates i need to be baptized and pastor's gonna uh, beat on my door and tell me i need to get baptized and and you're out you're gonna have ideas coming up in your mind oh man i'm, I'm afraid you know uh if, if i get baptized everyone will see me well i mean those testimonies today were powerful i liked how robin said you know I, it probably would have been pride that would have stopped me and sometimes that's in there don't let that don't let something like that stop you Maybe you're thinking, well, I don't want to get Batman. What would I wear? Let me tell you this. We thought of that. All right. We thought of that. And and next week when when we have the invitation and I invite people to come who who want to be baptized, uh, I want you to know we're doing our best. We're sitting around just imagining what could somebody possibly need if they get baptized. Ladies, we're going to have a blow dryer and more than one back there. All right. We're going to have towels. Uh, everyone that gets baptized next week, we've got a beautiful T-shirt we put together. We've got stuff for you to wear. We've even, we're, we're even going to get those little things of deodorant for those that might need that. It's going to be there for you after you get out of the water. We're thinking of everything. There will be no reason why next week would not be a good week to get baptized. If God put in your heart that you need to be baptized, don't say no to him. Uh, I, I want to encourage you, if, if that's on your heart, fill this out. And uh, we'll have an opportunity to, to collect these in a little while. Now, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm the one who could have said earlier in the service, I was baptized many years ago. Here's the question. Baptism identifies us with Jesus Christ, but is your life the way it's being lived identifying with Jesus Christ? Is your life a living testimony of the reality that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Because the command to the new believer is to be baptized, but the command to the seasoned believer is this, tell others how to be saved and see to it that they're baptized baptism is very important if you're saved today and you have not been scripturally baptized jesus says get baptized that's what his word teaches us our father thank you for the clarity of your word